been here for centuries, waiting for the right time to show themselves. By planning thoughts in the minds of men like Galileo, Newton, Edison, Einstein, and Steven Spielberg, they have prepared the human race for the inevitable encounter. Now, they are coming. They are coming for you. Run, but first close your windows, hide your apples, prepare for the attack of the android. And now, your host and the human leader of the android underground, Matt Lee. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Thursday, November 17th, 2011, episode 9 of Groovy Post's Attack of the Androids. I'm your host, Matt Lee. Joining me tonight, we got Eric Finkenbeiner back. What's up, Eric? What's going on, Matt? I know that's not how your last name is pronounced. Gina corrects me every time I say that. <laughs> and then we got uh, Seth Herringer. What's up, Seth? Not much, man. How's it going, buddy? I'm um, well, thanks. I uh, got a ton of great Android news to get to. We got Google Music launching for their actual store. Uh, we got some more ICS code released. We got Cyanogen Mod 9 in the works. Very exciting stuff. Uh, we got a couple Galaxy Nexus unboxings. Unfortunately, none of them done by us. But And a review, Matt, we can talk about, That's too. That's right, and a review. And have you guys seen the Motorola Razor commercials? It's uh, We'll just kick it off with that oh, I know Seth those has. commercials <laughs> it's exactly what you were talking about who who are we directing these phones to this is like secret agent spy versus spy and this is the first one I've seen so I was like whoa Seth was right on with with that it's it's weird it almost you know it's it's almost odd how it's being marketed but I yeah. guess it's working isn't it yeah I mean I think the droids the droid branding has to be working. They keep using it. I mean, if either someone doesn't check the numbers and it, you know, and they don't care if it's working, but obviously it's working because they keep using it and they keep appealing to these like masculine images. And I don't know how it's working, but it is working for them. It has to be working. Otherwise they would stop doing it. I feel it's like, like the modern warfare demographic. That's yeah. exactly. They're like, Hey, while you're poning noobs in, in modern warfare five, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, come on and get your, Get your geek on, secret ops style. You know, it's interesting though, Matt. That time speaking about the razor, the more and more people are getting are using it, I feel the more and more people are not liking it as much as you know originally they had. Um, what are the main gripes? Is it? Well, too I think the thin? main well, the main gripe is the screen. People are, you know, some of the yeah people are not loving the screen. The pent it's pentile. I mean, no, it's not. It's not Pentile. No, uh, the uh, the Galaxy Nexus. We came to the conclusion. Yeah, was the Pentile. I'm trying to remember if the if um, the the razor has Gorilla Glass on it, and yeah. it has some sort of nano coating. This is all hearsay from the commercial, so I'm just regurgitating mass media here. But they say that it has some sort of you know nanotech sprayed on it to make it water resistant. Which is key if you're in your frog suit doing some undercover ops, you know, your phone might get wet. I'm just saying, it may get wet. Well, yeah, you hop out of the ocean and then you sneak up behind somebody and then slit their throat with your razor. With your that's, razor. That's exactly, <laughs> exactly how it goes. And then you swap clothes and you're into the ball. We all do that. Dancing I mean, that's, with the that's the normal use case for every user. Well, I, 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 of course. I mean, I can't say anymore. I'll have to kill people, but yeah, that's... 
That's the use case. So, uh, yeah, you can find these shows over on groovypost.com slash groovycast. We do a bunch of other tech shows, so make sure to check those out. And get subscribed. We're in iTunes. Write us raving five-star reviews, if you would. And uh, we'll make a redirect to the iTunes link if you go to attackoftheandroids.com slash subscribe. So whoever uh, is going to make that, make that. And make it nice. Uh, we got some feedback from last episode on the whole Republic Wireless stuff. I know we've been trying to reach out to the guys from Republic Wireless and maybe get an interview. Uh, in a couple weeks, we'll have an interview from the developers of AI Plus, which is a great keyboard. Uh, it's the one I've been using. And, uh, yeah, I, I kind of sent a message out, and they were like, yeah, we'd love to be on the show. So you guys can keep an eye out for that uh, sometime in early December. We'll, we'll be interviewing them. Uh, and yeah, so the, with the Republic Wireless thing, I'll just kind of read through here. You can leave comments on the episode posts over on uh, attackoftheandroids.com, which redirects you to our, our mothership over there on, on the Groovy site. But uh, basically, Dave, he said, uh, just listen to your November 10th podcast where you guys talked about Republic Wireless launch. Uh, a number of errors in our story, uh, he says he, th- he should address. First of all, somebody, I'm going to just blame Joey because he's not here right now. Uh, incorrectly stated that you need 80 kilobytes per second kbps for the service, which the other guy converted to 640 kilobits per second, uh, and then went on to question how many residential users would have the upstream bandwidth to support multiple users' calls. The Republic Wireless website clearly states that it requires 80 kilobits per second bidirectional for the service, so 80 up, 80 down. Uh, this is entirely logical for VoIP, with the G711 PCM codec, which runs about 64 kilobits plus the RTCP and packet overhead. Republic also warns about uh, users using bandwidth-intensive apps, video streaming, etc., while making a call. So that's basically like what we do uh, if you run any kind of servers or something. If you need the bandwidth, you turn it off. I, I would imagine that's common sense for a phone if you're Try, like, if I'm on Waze, my, uh, it's constantly rendering a map. If I need to download an app, I have to kill Waze so that I can get the full bandwidth. And uh, I, I would imagine if you're making a call with this, you're not going to be, you know, downloading updates or something. So, uh, so far, so good. Any, any comments from the, the gallery? <laughs> no, I would just say math is hard. Math is hard. I don't do it. And Joey, <laughs> fact check better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, blame Joey, I think, is the underlying message here. Right. I mean, if, if you guys take away anything from this whole episode, I, I want it to be that. Uh, just it's Joey's fault. So uh, he hey, says Matt, while, while we were talking about that, I found the Razer does have a pentile display. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, there was confusion about it. OK, well, we're saying, oh, but, but now it does. Um, and I do know that overall people are not liking that display all that much. Um, so something to think about as you, you know, I mean, which is, which is why the Nexus, the Galaxy Nexus is turning out to be sort of the phone because, you know, the Razer is thin, but it has a kind of bad screen and, um, the, uh, is it the glass is, then? Because the, what I've seen is that it's the same screen, really. I mean, what is that? it's Samsung's version of it, but it's also Pentile. It doesn't have the Gorilla Glass like the, the Razer. It has the uh, Lotus Glass, we were told, so... Maybe there's something different between well, the I think, two. I think the Galaxy Nexus has the huge resolution. You know, That's it's got the 720p resolution. Sure, it's, sure. I mean, it's got the. It's got over. I think it's got over 300. You know, pixel density per inch. Yeah, it's uh, it looks pretty from what. And so that would you know that will really help with the pentile pixelation on the edges of the text. 
so anyways, you know, the, the Razer has sort of the poor screen. The resound is sort of thick and heavy and just not all that impressive. And so that sort of leaves the Nexus as the the phone to get, you know, on Verizon. Um, uh, so I, anyways, we can talk more about the Nexus. If you, I mean, do you want to talk about that now or not? Uh, I didn't yeah, let's, let's finish this up. Uh, he also yeah. says we criticized the LG Optimus. That was me. Uh, with one person oh. implying they bought them off of eBay. Re- Republic clearly states that these are new handsets. Uh, I was joking when I said that, but sure. I can see that that might come across as not. Um, and, and yeah, it, it's not what I was... The point I was trying to make is that forgetting as many of these as they did, they're, they're not like a top-of-the-line device. I mean, stupid zombies will not play on the LG Optimus. And I'm sorry, but I base all of my purchase decisions on whether or not stupid zombies will play on the device. Because if not, I don't want it, you know? As do most consumers. That's right. I mean, I I mean that makes total sense. Uh, exactly. I mean, be conscientious I, about what you're purchasing. If it's not going to play stupid zombies, is that a contract you're willing to get into? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> no way. And Matt, you want me to? Uh, I can wrap up our make good thing um, by just saying the the other correction that we had was uh, I had mistakenly made the comment um, that the. Uh, the solution that Republic was using was a hardware modification uh, yes. or some combination. Um, turns out that is not true. Um, I was actually going off of information that I had read in my own research as well as uh, uh, GigaOM's post. As well uh, as their website because it looked like they were making some hardware mods, you know? Yeah. With the I baby. Mean, they put the – it's the baby. It was a baby making it. So, I mean, we Clearly. can – We have to make some assumptions there. But um, but it turns out, yeah, that they're actually using a software mod. So uh, have fun with that because it sounds uh, sounds like from their uh, from their Twitter account that that might uh, affect folks' abilities to use that with uh, root access, and they're already running into some problems with uh, compatibility with Google Voice. Sure. Um, probably, you know, not sure what they haven't elaborated on what that is, but it currently is not supported. Yeah. So, and if you go to their site, there if there's a um. You want to click on the link that says how it works, and if you scroll down there, it says, can I bring my own phone? Their answer is no. They say the ultimate in smartphone freedom would be using the phone you want, on the network you want, whenever you want. We agree and are working towards that ideal, but for now, Big Cell makes the rules. Android phones, Wi-Fi, mm. and the web fuel our optimism that the future could look very different. So, uh, Only so, that phone for now, and no, you can't use your own, but maybe one day. Who knows? I'll throw out there, um, you know, just to close this out, that sure. if we have listeners right now that are using Republic Wireless's service, shoot us an email or something, uh, show Definitely. at com. Um, Info at attackoftheandroids.com. Sure. Okay. Either or. Maybe that one too. <laughs> sure. Better get um, on that. <laughs> and just let us know how it's going. <laughs> right. We would love to hear uh, about your experience. And if you work for Republic Wireless, we'd love to get you on the show. So definitely uh, reach out. So and answer my emails, you deadbeats. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, we got a, an email from a, a listener, Berger. He says, uh, can we talk about voice input on Android, how we use it, etc.? I believe we covered, uh, yeah, uh, we covered this in an episode, I think two episodes ago, when we were discussing the five uh, alternatives to Siri. I think more what he's talking about, though, and I could be incorrect, but I think he's he means how do we use it natively on the phone? I don't think he was talking about other apps, was he? 
from 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 what I gathered from the message. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any way to know, but let's just quickly do. Let's just say how we use the native, um, you know, voice recognition in the in our in our phones, and then if we want to, we can talk about you know other apps. Sure. Yeah. And he's, um, he says liking the Android show. I haven't really used voice input. Could you talk yeah. about how you use it and what suggestions? So. So I actually use voice input a lot. Uh, you know, I'm not a big not a big fan of typing on you know screens i i i do it and you know we all have to learn do you and miss to get the, better in it is it lack of tactile feedback or what's your beef with it you just there's no home key you have to look at it or what? you know i mean I, to be honest my beef is just that i haven't done it as much as i should in order okay. to get really good at so it so your problem you know, with typing on screens is that you're not very good at it yeah exactly because you know no one okay. i mean no one likes typing on keyboards until they're good at it <laughs> sure <laughs> you know? sure like everyone hates <laughs> learning things and i just don't want to learn how to type on a uh, screen keyboard I've, I mean, I've already learned i'm fast i'm good but you know i just if i don't have to do it i don't do it so i'm most of the time even if i'm sending a text to someone i'll just you know the secret is you know holding down the search button right on all of our android phones have those four hardware buttons ice cream sandwich totally different so if you have an ice cream sandwich phone this won't work but for anything in gingerbread and previous or froyo and gingerbread you know you hold down the uh, search hardware button on your phone and that'll bring up your voice activation. And then I just say, you know, send text to, you know, enter the names, enter the name. And depending on the OS you have, you can map that to a different key if you'd like. You can map oh, it to yeah. anything, really. Your volume Yeah, but button, the but default is the search ex- button right. for most people, right. So, um, and then it'll bring up my, it'll bring up my text box with my, with the, you know, person's name in there. And then I click again and say, and then I write my, I say what my text is. And, you know, I'm, I'm always mostly impressed with how good the voice recognition is. It's I, pretty you know, spot on. Sometimes for really hard words, you won't be able to get it. But, you know, if nine, I would say 90%, maybe 95% of the time. But I'd say 90% of the time it gets it right the first time. 100%? And yeah, and then one out of 10 times I have to redo something. Right. Yeah. It depends on the words. It depends how quiet it is. Now, you're saying you use this not just while driving, but anytime you need anytime, to. Anytime, just because I don't – because I can – I can, for me personally, I can text – you know, my wife much faster by just saying it. Right. Than I can. And I, for her, like, I don't care if it's all that accurate. You know, if I'm missing a period or if I have an extra period or something like that, that's fine with me. You know, I mean, she gets the gist of what I'm saying. And you're uh, not one of those so, guys that's like, how are you doing? Question mark. I am well, period. Yeah, exactly. Comma. Well, I, I mean, I, I do that when I'm typing, but if I'm just sending a text message with my voice, it doesn't bother, It right. doesn't matter to me. See, I'm, I'm OCD about that. I have to say comma or say period usually. That's funny. It bugs and then, me. So that's one use case. Another use case is that I'm, if, if I'm in the car, I always just say navigate to, and then wherever it is I'm going, and it almost always gets it right. You know, you don't even have to say the address. Just say navigate to you know the Egyptian theater, navigate to Walmart. You go, yeah, sure, and uh, and it'll take you right there. Um, so, you know, and then I do Google searches with the voice, and you know, there's all sorts of things. So, I, I know it's not as user friendly as Siri because you have to actually memorize the voice commands. It does have a better uptime than Siri, though. Yeah, exactly. And so see, I use I, the voice a lot, and I, I, I think more people should use. I, I think it's probably an underused aspect of android and i, think- I agree i agree i think um i i think it, at the very minimum i use it as far as simply transcoding what i'm saying into text so that i don't have to type it and generally it's when i'm driving usually if i'm at home and stuff i'll just type it out 
mm-hmm. but yeah, mo- most of the time when I'm driving, that's what I do, and it's it is dead accurate. And I I have an FM tuner hooked up to it uh, to the headphone jack, and it's sitting in the car dock, so it's right in front of me. So I can I can see the road and the phone at the same time. Not that I, I'd recommend you know driving while while talking or anything, but if you have to, it's a great way to do hands free. And it, it the more you use it, the more accurate the transcription will get. If you go into your privacy uh, account settings on your Google account, there's a thing in there called of uh, what was what it voice transcription or something. And it'll tell you, it's on your uh, dashboard, it'll tell you how many uh, samples it has. And mine, it has like over 500, and I think that's where it stops counting. And so the more of those you get, the, the better accuracy you're going you're gonna to have with this. Uh, what, what's your use case, Eric? I don't think I use it as much as you guys probably do. Um, I think the biggest uh, benefit that I've seen from it has been, like, if, if I'm in the car... Um, you know, I I'd rather just be able to, you know, hit hit a button and just say a text real quick and let it go off. Right. Um, I uh, I think it's really interesting. I didn't know that they actually had a setting in the phone to capture uh, your utterances to make that make it more accurate. I think that's pretty cool. Um, but I mean, overall, I've used it every once in a while, but I've really gotten into using swipe. Um, and I, I, you know, I kind of feel like a tool if I'm sitting there talking to my phone, you know, regardless of how cool Apple may make it look with Siri. Even by yourself, uh, though? Because, see, I don't do it when I'm around other people. I only do it when I'm by myself. Well, I'm, I'm around, you know, other people a lot, so that's probably okay. why I don't use it too much. That makes sense, um, though, because I, I wouldn't I, either if, if I was, if that was my case. Like, when I'm driving around with people, I definitely don't use it. Well, and I, I got to say, I agree with Seth that I think that this is one of the most understated features of Android. Um, and, you know, it's getting a lot of, it's probably getting more attention now, um, now that uh, it's like a direct competitor in Apple. Right. Um, but I mean, this, these features have been around for, for quite a while. So, um, and they're only getting know. better with time, it seems like. And like I said, the more you use it, the more you train it to your voice. Uh, what it's called in your Google dashboard is called speech, and it says personalized recognition, more than 500 voice recordings. And every time you would use um, Goog411, for instance, when that was a thing, it would use that information. Uh, anytime you use the voice search, that is going into the database that you know helps them discern what you're saying. So yours may pick up names that you say more often better than mine does, and then mine might pick up you know like numbers if I say numbers more often or whatever. It, it trains individually, which is really great because then everyone gets a good experience with it. Now, Matt, have you uh, have you checked out the? Um... Uh, what do you call it, the uh, privacy policy with this uh, to see, like, are they actually sending back your information back to home base to make the overall um, voice recognition more accurate? I believe it does. I've never actually read it because I, I honestly, I don't care that it knows. And I mean, we talked about this on, on the other show and I, I don't want to get too rude, but uh, there were a couple conversations between uh, my girlfriend and myself about uh, certain activities that perhaps were uh, transpiring in the evening times. And we, I brought it up on the show because I went through the, the privacy thing and I was like, 
it has 500 voice recordings. What are the chances it had that conversation? And I'm, I'm just trying to think, like, if there's somebody on the other end listening to that. Like, dude, check this out. This guy just... Anyway, they, I thought that was pretty amusing. But, I mean, it depends. Because we do podcasts, I kind of tend to be more public than some people. So I don't really care about, you know, if they're sending what I'm saying to my phone back. But some people might, you know, and and that's something you're going to have to decide on, you know, an individual basis. Sure. Uh, and said, I mean, the only reason I bring it up is I know that, um, you know, they've had services like Google 411 um, for a long time where yeah. you could just call in and use your voice to search for things. Yep. And, and they were using that to train. Absolutely. The overall experience. And I think that, you know, that's probably why... Um, you know, we're saying that it's very accurate. It gave them um, a huge edge, absolutely. I wish Google 4 and 1 was still around, but they shut it down. Isn't all that oh, information that. readily available, though, on the on the search, whatever it's searching? Instead of using Google 4 one, one you can just ask your what you're talking to. to oh, look. yeah, but it was nice. It was nice when I didn't have a smartphone. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> it was nice that you could send a text message and get listings back yeah. and everything. I, I did. I did enjoy that. Yeah, but, I don't need any more. But when I didn't have a smartphone, it was nice to have right. it available. So. so from their privacy thing, just real quick, it says most of the personally identifying information we collect is what you tell us about yourself. Uh, sometimes we record your phone number when you send it to us, ask us to remember it or make a call or send SMS. Uh, we collect some information on device level events such as crashes and associate that temporarily to your Google account. Uh, certain info might be stored locally on the device using mechanisms such as browser web storage, uh, location info. If you use Google to transcode or format non-mobile pages, uh, to display, they get that info. Uh, and here, for products and services with voice recognition capabilities, we collect and store a copy of the voice input you make to the product or service and corrections you make to the returned recognition result. To improve processing of your voice input, we may also continuously record in temporary memory a few seconds of ambient background noise. This recording stays until, or this recording stays only temporarily on the device and is not sent to Google. If you choose to personalize voice rec, uh, we will associate your voice data with your Google account. So, and that makes sense. So, yeah. I, I mean, the bottom line is, you know, if you're worried about privacy, read that and see if you're if cool with it. It's worth it. Yeah. And for, like I said, for some people, it may not be. For me, absolutely is. So, all right. Uh, I think we answered his question. What do you guys want to talk about next? Google Music's out. Anybody uh, excited about that? Yeah, I'm somewhat excited. I I was playing around with it earlier. Um, you know, I, it's the same look and feel that they've uh, had in the market for like the past you know month or two. Right? Did you um, use Google Music before you could actually buy music on it? I didn't, and that's mainly because I was just running my own music server. Sure. Um, it's it seems to be all right. I like that um, they do like it looks like they're going to be doing like a free um, like a free song of the day and. Things like right. that. And they've been so doing that been on, with. on Magnifier. If if you log into your music.google.com account, the once they launch that, uh, it's nothing. I'm too excited about. I'm kind of picky with my music, so if it will be cool to be able to buy it through there seamlessly. The thing I didn't really care for is that you can only download it twice through the web interface to a computer. Otherwise, you have to use the Google Manager app. 
which you know it's still a little buggy but they're they're really working the kinks out of it and it's really fast uploading your music now and uh, way better i got in on it at the beginning and it was just terribly slow so does that limit um apply to music that you did not buy no Uh, only all of your purchases are automatically stored on Google Music for free and do not count toward your 20,000 song limit. You can even share a free full play, one play of any purchase with your friends on Google on Google Plus, excuse me. So that that's kind of interesting. It's a, it's a, a way to share music that maybe you you wouldn't anyway. You can say, "Hey, you can listen to this once." Which is better than the old model of you better just buy the CD and hope it's worth the 20 bucks you just spent. So, I don't know. You know, Android Police have an interesting article about Google Music and comparing, um, you know, the costs involved for artists and the revenue stream. Um, and it's just, it just goes, you know, basically argues that, you know, Google is giving independent artists and other people, you know, an even better... Uh, you know, venue by which to put out their music, and they still get seventy percent of the cut. You know, I mean, Google takes thirty, That's artists great. get seventy, um, which is pretty high, I think. You know, when you compare it, when you compare it with other things. Oh, absolutely. They say iTunes here, or... they say Amazon takes the art. Amazon, the artists get about fifty-five percent. iTunes, the artists get about fifty-five minus aggregators, which is ten percent or something like that. So, anyways, just like Google's offering another way with low costs. For you know, independent artists to get their music out and about, and so that seems like another great um, addition, you know, to the whole you know uh, music world out there. So, yeah, I think. It, well, it, I think for most people like that, if they care about that, that's definitely going to be a plus. If you're doing mm-hmm. like a one-to-one comparison, though, I, there's nothing. There's nothing really compelling uh, that I see that would make me want to switch, um, except for the fact that maybe I just want to have all my buying experience in the Google market using Google wallet using you know keeping it one experience I think there's something to be said about that Uh, it's good to foster more competition definitely between you know only iTunes and Amazon now you have a third choice and it'll be interesting to see it's still in very early stages so hopefully you know they'll They'll make it. I want to see like a, a commenting system that, that's rated like in the market with you know music. I think that would be uh, crowdsourcing the reviews and stuff. I think that would be huge for them. Now, Matt, have you seen? Is there any? Are there any hooks uh, from Google Music into like Google Plus at this point? Uh, not that I've seen yet. I still don't have the new market that has music on there. I did note that for some reason today, my Google Music app on my Droid X was using crazy amounts of resources. It kept making Watchdog go off. If you don't know what that is, Watchdog is an app that monitors other apps. It's not a task killer per se. But it lets you know when an app is using more than whatever you specify as a percentage of resources. So if if you have a an app that's hanging in memory, it'll let you know about it. And Google Music kept doing that. It was using like 80, 90% resource. I was like, what the hell? And I rebooted the phone, and it, it seemed to work itself out. But the new interface is really nice. I, I do like that uh, on Google Music. Uh, I haven't seen any actual sharing tie-ins yet with uh, Google+. Plus. And, you know, if you go to your stream, it's still the same five buttons now. I wish they'd get rid of games and put music there. I'd, I'd use that way more. Yeah, I, I have to think that, you know, I, I haven't dug too deep into it, but there should be some sort of tie-in to their 
social network. I'm sure uh, if there's not, then they need to get on it. But yeah, I'm sure they're rolling it out slowly, also. So I may not get it yet, but other people might. Yeah. And I heard uh, on the Verge here, Google TV got a new uh, got the new Google Music app as well. It looks pretty nice on a big screen. Uh, speaking, as as, uh, are we are we done with Google Music? Do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Because I speak on the Verge. Um... Joshua Topolsky has it. He's got the first review of the Nexus up. Oh, nice. Well, yeah, the let's Galaxy talk about Nexus. that next. Um, let's talk about that next. So there's a bunch of unboxing. It sounds like they've all, all the major sites have had theirs for about a day. And um, Topolsky got his up the soonest. And, you know, I think he gave it an 8.6 or something like that. Um, and, you know, he basically said it's the best Android phone available, probably the best phone available except for. Uh, the camera, which he doesn't love. <laughs> which is in agreement with what you said a couple episodes ago about it not being so hot. Yeah, no, and then my I had that post on GUI post about Sam, you know, Samsung's 5 megapixel mistake is what I said, where I just said that they... Harsh, they're bro. Just, yeah, Harsh. where I just said that they're not <laughs> reading the market correctly if they're, you know, downgrading. I just don't know why they didn't put the Galaxy S2 phone in. That just makes so... I mean, the Galaxy S2 camera in, which is a great camera... Why would they downgrade it? It just didn't make any sense to me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to take my Droid X camera and I'm going to put it in there myself. (laughs) I mean, I don't think the camera is supposed to be terrible based on what I've seen so far. But it's just disappointing when compared to the, with everything else is like top quality. Right. That why it makes you wonder what what was the reasoning yeah. behind holding out on a, a, a poopy camera than, you know, well, going top of the line with everything else. Yeah. Again, I, I don't think it's again, I don't think the camera is terrible, but it's not the not best. poopy. Hmm. Yeah, it's not the best compared to everything else. You know, they got the best screen. They've got, you know, one of the best processors. They've got, you know, the highest amount of RAM. They've got. You know, everything on it is like basically like the best. They've got NFC. Yeah. Um, they've got a big battery. Well, it's these, the flagship uh, the, phone. It sets the standard for what yeah, the, the next line of Google exactly. ICS phones then, should be. And then they throw in a 5-megapixel camera, which is like you know a, a camera standard from two years ago. And now is that going back to what we first mentioned, is that you know your buffer is only so big, maybe to get this speed that it has in taking the pictures, you go with a lower uh, pixel depth. And you know that's interesting because that's another thing I had in my article was when you watch the, the Google uh, press release of the phone, all of their pictures were blurry. And I, I put them up on my uh, article, and I say, you know, I think I said like seventy percent of the pictures they took during the presentation were out of focus. Was it low light situation, or is this? Yeah, kind of. I mean, it was like a you know a semi dark room, but they had a light on the on the objects they were picture, you know, they were photographing, right. and they were they were demonstrating how fast it can take pictures, which is probably why it was blurry. But I mean, that's the point. Is if the point is to take fast pictures, why do you want? Fast pictures, if they're going to be all be blurry, you know what I mean. Like I'd right. rather just have one give another, picture, give another quarter of a second or half a second, and give me a clear picture. Sure. Rather than and um, you know what, I I wonder if it'll like in in the Droid X I'm running CM7 in the camera settings. There's options about the autofocus and all that. I wonder if you tweak with those, if you can get it to perform a little better. Well, maybe, but you know, Topolsky said the same thing from on the Verge. Said that he. He was having um, problems with it seeming uh, to have blurry pictures, you know, or, or just out of focus enough to be annoying is kind of what he right. said. Huh. Um, and so that so that he, you know, he said the same thing I said back when I, you know, when I looked at their video, I was like, my worry is that the quick yep. picture is going to cause them to be blurry. 
And, you know, I understand, you know, my post says that, you know, I understand that megapixels is not everything. It's, not, it's actually not even the majority of what's important about a camera. Right, right. right. You, know, the, the, so... you know, five megs, it's all just, you know, that's just the size. But I did say things like megapixels do matter because yeah. camera, because phones can't zoom, right? And so yep. if not you want to optically. zoom in, all you're zooming has to be done, you know, after, after the fact in post-production when you crop and things like that. Right. right? And if you have... Only a five megapixel camera, you can't crop as much. Um, you know, there are some other things I said on there, but um, you know, but even even so far, it sounds like the sensor on here um, and the the lens and the optics are not great. You know, they're going to be okay, but they're not what we were hoping for from you know this high end, top of the line phone from Google and Samsung. So, well, but, and that's ho- what seems to be the biggest misstep is that right. you know they've been they've been really pushing and marketing this phone as the standard and to most to most consumers they're not going to look at it and say oh my god do you see how fast that processor is yeah they're no, going to look gonna at say, things they understand look at this picture of my baby look how blurry it is yeah and you know quite honestly when you when you look at like the iPhone 4S and that is being really pushed as a way, you know, a phone that has a quick camera that, you know, puts out really high quality images. You know, it's sort of not the right time to fall flat on that. You're exactly right. I mean, if you look at the presentations and even the websites, if you go to the websites of Apple and, you know, Google, you know, Apple has all the specs. They've got all the diagrams of all the all the optics and you know all the, all the layers they have. And, you know, they go into all this detail about all the work they put into their camera and then if you go to the Nexus website, it just says like, oh, we have – it takes pictures fast. It takes pictures. <laughs> you know I mean? Moving like, on. Quick. It takes pictures. Next. Now, do yeah. you think that's Apple playing some catch-up because their cameras were crappy in the past? Or I don't know. Personally, I've, I've never really well, used them. But Well, the iPhone 4 has always had a great – I mean the original iPhone 4 was sort of the standard of the 5-megapixel okay. cameras. Huh. It, it just seemed like that would maybe be a, a reason to focus so much on I it. I think they focused on it because they knew it was a strength. You Do mean, you they're think, like, too, we need to they, come out with... They know the, that they have them by the cojones now. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey. and, now, and then with this, now they've got an 8 megapixel on the 4S, their camera's, again, you know, standard setting. And so and it just seems stupid for Google to, like, throw in a 5 megapixel camera when that's right. all... I mean, to put in a, if they put in a great camera... This phone would have been probably, you know, nine and tens on on the review scales. You know, what you mean, think that people are coming out with. Yeah, and right now it's going to be stuck in the mid eights, probably on everywhere because it's going to be they can't give it a higher. It's going to be one of those what ifs. Like, man, this is such a great phone, but what if? Yeah, and we'll Anyways, never know. But, and then, so the other thing I want to talk about was ice cream sandwich, which. It's been interesting so far. CNET did an in-depth review of If you of the go phone. to android.com, they redesigned their site and it's a very ice creamy sandwichy. I like it. It's pretty. <laughs> but what I was saying is CNET doesn't like ice cream sandwich all that much. They said it was just seemed like it was a minor iteration or something like that, you know. Whereas The Verge and Josh Topolsky says that it's like totally earth-shake, you know, ground-shattering totally new you know operating system where everything's been changed and all the visuals are different and so even just looking at the two different it's just interesting to see the different perspectives out there in ice cream sandwich right some are gonna love it some are not gonna like it so much what do you think well for my i mean i think it's amazing <laughs> from i haven't i haven't had hands-on with it yet I, you right. know i haven't gotten a review phone or we're still that, waiting but, for the nexus 
Yeah, I know exactly. For but, our free um, Nexus review phone, hint, hint. <laughs> but PO Box three six five two, Kalispell, Montana five dollars. But from all of the uh, all the walkthroughs and all the videos and everything, it definitely, in my opinion, scene I got it wrong. It definitely is a major iteration, um, like The Verge said, and it is going to, you know, I mean, multitasking totally different, much better. Um, you know, the buttonless the buttonless idea is much better use of screen real estate than you know the hardware buttons. If your hardware supports it. Yeah, which I think they all the phones should. In the, I mean, maybe they won't. But well, I'm saying I if, I put, if I put if I put ICS on my Droid X, like there's buttons oh, yeah. there that but I'm talking not... for future phones. Right, I, and I also, right, we do have course. future phones coming. Up. I've seen you know mock up. There are mock ups out there of you know quad core phones, all Ice Cream Sandwich that still have hardware buttons, and I think that's a mistake. Uh, maybe I'll be wrong, but you know why would you put hardware buttons on a phone? Well, and this isn't you the... can use the screen real estate for screen real estate. You know what I mean? Because Anyways, it just seems like a mistake to me. Well, no, I agree too because we're seeing that go that direction with Apple as well. So when two competing companies both are like, "Hey, let's let's ditch the buttons," you know. Well, the great thing about the Nexus is that you know the software buttons are on the screen, right? But if you play a video, the software buttons disappear, and you have the full screen to watch a video, you know, and things like that. So it's a great use. Why have hardware buttons that are static? When you can have software buttons that appear, disappear, and let you use a phone in a much more dynamic way. Um, when I think this was one of their big lessons that they learned from Honeycomb, because Honeycomb has the exact same thing where you have the software-only buttons and you get to use that entire screen real estate. Right. And I, I've loved it. I, I actually like Honeycomb. Um, and I know that Ice Cream Sandwich, uh, the UI is a little bit different, so I'm, I'm kind of nervous that I'm going to be losing that. Hmm. Um, but you know the the fact that we're moving to completely software buttons does not worry me at all. I think it's I think it's probably going to be great, and I'm also pretty optimistic about Ice Cream Sandwich and really hoping that somebody ports it over to my phone. I know some people Intent. are worried. I know some people Intent. are worried about not having hardware buttons if the phone freezes. You know. But in my opinion, there's still like the yeah. I think that was my button, right? that was my and, whole thing is that you don't have a hardware button when it freezes to force it into a forced close. But, yeah, no, but there's still but there's still the the wake sleep button. I mean, all phones have to have some sort of wake sleep button, right? The power I, mean, I don't want to give every yeah. single button on the phone. You know, I want to give me a wake sleep button, but don't put it on down for ten seconds and have the phone reset. That's right. all I would need. We you know, want that button, just don't put it on the screen. Put it on top. I have oh, a killer yeah, suggestion. Yeah. Wake, wake sleep button is on top. That's what I'm saying. Keep it there. Oh, yeah. Right. right. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. No, I want to keep awake. Give me one physical button on the phone. I agree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't make thing- an operating system that crashes all the time. And then- <laughs> Here's an idea. Holy cow. Patent that, please. So you can sue everyone when they do it finally. Or, you know, the other thing I love about the Bionic is that it does have, I mean, not the, excuse me, the Nexus is that it has a removable case. I mean, a removable battery. Which right, the Razer the does off. not. Right. So and that's the other way to reset your phone if you need to, right? Just, Just pull the battery. Yank the, the battery out, yeah, yeah. Um, which scares me a little bit about having a closed phone like the Razer. If you can't pull the battery, I, I, that just scares me. I don't like that. Cell phone manufacturers, keep a battery I can pull. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I won't be buying any phones. That, well, maybe I will. Maybe they'll all go, and you can't want to have a choice, but please. Right. It's going to be nuclear-powered, and you're not going to want to get anywhere near it with the shielding down. Please keep the removable batteries, but... Please. So that's my take on what we've seen so far of the... It's excellent. Next, sounds like it's going to be great. Oh, the Verizon did also sneak a couple of bloatware programs on there, which is hilarious. No. 
Really? Yeah, they put on their backup manager. <laughs> one other thing they put on there. How about I you put ROM? They have like their Verizon TV or something on there. Oh, please. It's only would two. You? It's only two things, though. But yeah. Which is fine, though, because by the time that comes out, we're going to be all on CM9 anyway. So what's up now? <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if CM9 will add anything to Ice Cream Sandwich. I, I'm really curious. Well, it won't, it, it won't be necessarily that it's adding anything to it. It's going to give you the control to really tap into the settings that you're not going to get normally. Maybe. I, I don't think if I have an X, well, when I do, well, when we have an X. I mean, CM7 for, for. I'm going to put CM9 on it until I, because it's already an open phone. You know what I mean? It's already supposed to be a pure Android experience, a pure Google experience. Maybe I will. I, I want I mean, that. The reason CM... I would, the reason I put CM7 on mine is because it had HTC Sense on it. Right, and I had it was Moto... just it was just bloated. You I, know had I mean, Moto and I love Blur. having just a clean CM7 on my on my incredible. Um, well, I think what having what having things like Cyanogen Mod is going to give you, um, mm. especially if you're into that sort of thing, is that it gives you a clean platform that. Uh, there's a huge development community uh, developing on. Also, so, the Cyanogen overclocking. Will throw these, you know, these little extras that sure you could load it, you know, via, um, you know, your recovery or something, and add it to your phone, you know, piecemeal. But they can deliver it in one like clean, uh, you know, optimized package, which is, you know, I think that would be the big draw. Well, yeah, that... maybe maybe a year down the road when they've had a year to sort of like tweak ice cream sandwich. That's definitely a good point. Maybe I would throw it on them. Well, and think about this. If you go into the CM7 performance settings, you can mess with the governor for your overclocker, your your uh, clock speeds, purging of assets, lock the home memory in, VM well, heap size. Like, you're not going to get that stuff on just plain ICS, I don't think. Maybe. No, you're right. You're right. But I think the, here's here, – maybe this is my larger point. And I think you, got, you guys are right. And you, you sort of brought me here. Um, good pushback. <laughs> it was I a think good my ride. point. My point is, is that the thing I love, the thing that excites me about Ice Cream Sandwich is that it looks like it's going to be a, a great enough operating system with enough features where I don't think I'm going to need to take the time to put CM7 on. You know what I mean, or something like. I right. think that it's clean. Right. It looks like it's going to be great. It looks like it's going to have all the all the features that I'm going to use often, which makes me think. You know, for the vast majority of people, it's not going to be worth it. Like right now, I think, I think putting CM7 on a lot of on gingerbread phones is worth it, right? I think CM7 offers so much extra and good stuff. That, Absolutely. You know, for, I would say the majority of people almost should. I, I mean, I say this with caution, right? <laughs> don't break, don't break your phone. I'm not responsible, but I would say, you know, the majority of people it, they would enjoy CM7 over stock. You know, Android three point. I mean, two point five or whatever. Oh, I agree. You know, well, and especially yeah. like my my girlfriend's right. example with her incredible. It it kept having random force close issues. So I right. put CM seven on it. Not a one now. Right. It's beautiful. But but I think but what I'm saying is I think that ice cream sandwich brings enough to the you know enough to the field now where right. I'm not going to recommend people root their phones. Yeah. Or not, I mean, maybe they'll root them, but not put CM you know CM nine on. Until, you know, sometime down the road when it's a lot better. I mean, until, you know, they have enough features that would justify it, which I think is great for the general Android market, when the, the general Android ecosystem, right? To have a, a slick enough operating system where we no longer have to, like, feel like people need to tweak it. You know I mean, you're like, just right. enjoy it. Right. Um, I cautiously agree with you. <laughs> yeah, just go have fun with your, you know, your new Google, your Galaxy Nexus. Don't worry about rooting it or putting all this stuff on. It's a great... It's great in and of itself, which I, I, which I mean, I did like gingerbread, but 
I'm much more willing to say that now with Ice Cream Sandwich, I think. No, and I'm a, it, remains, no, go ahead. it remains to be seen until we get them in our hands. Yeah. Exactly. What do you say, Eric? I was just going to say, and uh, just remember, folks, if you do brick your phone, um, it's Joey's fault. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on. What's next? How about we have the Motorola Google merger finally was approved by the stockholders, which you're on, you're on the board, let's say hypothetically. Are, is anybody going to be like, you know, guys, I, I don't think this is the right direction for uh, us to be going. Like everyone was like, hell yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, I I think this this is was basically duh. Um, it was bound <laughs> to happen. To put it nicely, duh. At the same time, uh, you know, it's just it's just one of those interesting things that uh, I think a lot of folks maybe didn't realize that it wasn't a completely done deal, right? Um, because with a publicly traded company like this, you do have to get buy-in. So, yeah, I just thought it was interesting just to mention that um, because, you know, even though they're uh, they're intending to, you know, run Motorola as a separate company, um, maybe this is the starting point where we can start seeing some of that Google magic leak into Motorola. You know, the one thing that I've been a little disappointed with so far, and I know I know that, you know, they're not this hasn't gone through yet. So Google can't wield Motorola's patents. But I was hoping to see maybe a little bit more movement in that direction, right, where Google starts throwing its way to learn a little bit more with because then, it, you know, it knows that it will have Motorola's patents or something like and that. And maybe come in and get Samsung's back in this whole Apple Yeah, I was just hoping issue. to see. I, I mean, I understand that the you know probably the legal legality of it means they can't do anything yet. You know, obviously it does. Sure. They, don't own the pro, they don't own the company yet. So maybe everything I'm saying is moot. But I still would have liked to have seen a little bit more coming out yet of Android defending it's hardware manufacturers and things like that. And maybe I, Google I also, can't, I don't know. But. With the whole music thing, I'm, I'm really glad that Google is, you know, getting in on this. Because if anyone can stand up to those bullies over at the uh, MPAA <laughs> or the RIAA, I should say, it, it's going to be Google. They'll sue each other out of existence before anything happens to us, you know? Yeah. Now, speaking of patents, I know this is not something that we had on our uh, on our list, but... Did you guys happen to follow any of the news about um, the Barnes & Noble Microsoft uh, kerfuffle? No, over... I didn't. Yeah, so um, I'm, actually, I'm trying to look up the exact uh, patents, but um, I think a lot of us have heard that you know every time an Android phone is sold, uh, Microsoft makes money because of these uh, you know, agreements that they made with the manufacturers um, to avoid uh, litigation. Um, well, it turns out that Barnes & Noble uh, doesn't exactly want to play nice with Microsoft and uh, really? just roll over and pay them money. <laughs> Go so um, basically what they've done is a lot, of these, a lot of these deals have been done in secret. So up until this point, nobody's really known what patents exactly Microsoft has been um, – you know, has been using to get money out of these manufacturers. Wouldn't it be uh, mind-blowing if it came out that they didn't even have any? They're like, we were totally bluffing and you guys fell for it. Cheers. Well, I think that's sort of, uh, you know, what Barnes & Noble is saying is that, you know... These, really? They're calling these pat- their bluff? <laughs> oh, they're they're definitely calling the bluff. Your um, move. They're basically Pong. saying that Microsoft is being a patent troll and well, that a lot of these patents shouldn't have even been granted. Do you agree? Uh, from the ones that I remember, um, and if I get this wrong, folks, please don't email please me. Please email sorry. Joey um, Kelly 
at no. <laughs> exactly uh, the one that comes to mind that I remember was uh, something to the effect of um, if you have something loading in the browser and you present um, some sort of icon or the loading indicating bar. that it's loading the loading bar yep I remember yeah that that, that is um, that that is patentable and uh, it infringes on Microsoft's intellectual property nice um, so it's things like that that. Um, you know, basically, it sounds like Barnes and Noble's uh, lawyers are uh, going to uh, claim prior art in a lot of these cases. You know, to show that hey, this isn't something you should have a patent for. It's bullcrap, and you know, we're not going to pay any money. Damn the patents! It makes me happy that there's a company standing up. You know what I mean? They're True. not just all rolling over in secret. Here's money. Here's five bucks per handset. I, I honestly yeah, I- thought you were going to say every time Android sells a handset, God kills a kitten. I totally thought that's where you were going, but um, yeah, it, it is good that you know this. This I hope, is. Go ahead. I hope Google is actively helping them. You know, either with legal counsel or you know money or something. Yeah, because it, it would be great if we could have a. Um, well, it's in their best you know, a interest. Win, a win for Android in some of these legal battles because Android hasn't had a legal win in a while. It seems like to me. <laughs> right. Yeah. And guys, I will. I will. Uh, I found the article uh, actually from Network World, and I will name off real quickly the five patents that are uh, that Microsoft is saying would be infringed upon by the Nook. So, placing a loading status icon in the content viewing area of a browser. Sure. Uh, Browser that recognizes background images in an electronic document and displays the background images after text. Sure. Uh, wow. <laughs> putting known tab controls into an operating system for use by all applications rather than providing tabs by, uh, on an application-by-application application basis. Holding your device with your hands. Well, this, this one's really interesting because this cool. sounds like something, you know, basically at the operating system level, creating a, a service that manages all these tabs versus making everybody, you know, manage their own in their own application, um, which would be really, I'm quite frankly, really inefficient and probably, um, you know, but there are a lot of hooks that you can tie into, into, in the Android operating system when you're developing an application. So it, it sounds like, um, you know, maybe this is one that, uh, (laughs) folks really didn't want to give up because it would break uh, a lot of applications out there that use it. Right. Um, Last two, using handles to change the size of selection areas for text. I don't know what the hell that means. So on Android, when you double tap text, you get the handles. And I don't know if this is on regular Android, but it's on CM7. And then you can drag those to select a section of text. I think that's what they're talking about. That came out with Gingerbread. That was 2.3. Okay, thank Mm -hmm. you. All right, and then the very last one, storing and displaying of annotations of text, which is not modifiable. Say that, storing and displaying annotations of text? Which which would not be modifiable. Those are your pop-ups, right? It could be. Interesting. Uh, Again, I'm not quite sure what that means because they're – and I think that's that's part of the problem too is that this stuff is so broadly worded and, you know, you have to – Exactly, on purpose. And you have to think that there is so much prior art to this, right. um, not just in the mobile space, but in other space that totally knocks this down uh, You know, as to the validity of it being a patent at all. So, and here it I says... Uh, I'm not a lawyer, but I, it just... You know, you read some of these and you got to think, hmm, somebody's, uh, somebody's you know, being a patent troll at this point. And uh, also, I got another article from FUDZilla.com. They say Barnes & Noble thinks that Microsoft is forcing Android makers 
have to buy a Windows mobile phone license for each Android set they sell. Sometimes Vol is making more from allowing an Android license than it does from flogging a Windows one. Nokia points out, uh, what is worse is that the Volish patents being used are trivial and insignificant in terms of Android's use. Barnes & Noble claim Microsoft is using these patents for minor functionality, which all adds up. The court evidence appears to show that Vol makes license holders sign an oppressive agreement which gives Microsoft say over future hardware and software configurations and innovations. Yeah, and that that in itself seems <sighs> very, you know, shady, very oppressive and and kind of um I, I don't know that it would be antitrust uh, but it, you know, it People seems are like saying having it's mafia racketeering. Well, yeah, <laughs> in the I mean, having here. a competitor that has that much control over your product uh, it seems very sketchy to me. Yeah, um, for sure. So, I, I mean, kudos to Barnes and Noble for actually, uh, you know, taking them to the mat on this. I'm really, really, really happy about this. Yep, definitely. So, uh, this just came out. Before we get into our uh, app recommendations of the week, Mashable is saying that the Samsung Galaxy Nexus is the best Android phone they've seen so far. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, and if you go to google.com slash nexus slash tech hyphen specs, it says here that the 5 megapixel camera is low light optimized. Interesting, huh? Whatever that means. Low <laughs> light that sounds like, That just sounds like... Optimized. Yeah. That sounds like a marketing speech to me. Exactly. This is low light optimized, dudes. Come on. Yeah. It's like they're night probably vision. doing this some is you night know, post processing. This is night vision. Come on. Come on. And it if records... only they had put that on the razor and you could assassinate that much easier. <laughs> I know, right? Oh man. Two microphones, three color LED. Oh god, I can't wait. Can't wait. Alright. Well, anything else we really need to cover before we wrap this thing up? Like we mentioned, Cyanogen Mod 9 is in the works, looking towards a January release for that, so I'm very, very uh, excited for that. Yeah, um, and that comes from their Twitter, uh, from right. their Twitter feed, and it, it's, it goes hand-in-hand hand with um, the release of uh, a lot of this ice cream sandwich code, both the official right. stuff and the leaks that have been happening over the past couple weeks. Yeah, and that's twitter.com slash Cyanogen, so you guys can all uh, check that out. I think that was it. Uh, did we mention the Amazon smartphone that might be uh, coming out? Some TechCrunch speculation here. You know, it's hard to even talk about that, you know, with any sort of sense until we know more about it. Yeah, I mean, we're, it they got this information. Yeah. Go ahead. It, I was, it doesn't make sense for me for another major player on the mark, cell phone market. I mean, I'd be fine with it. Great. Another one would be great. But I don't think... I mean, what else can be done out there right now? Unless, uh, uh, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It makes more so, sense for Amazon to make a tablet, right? Because it'd be consumption, a consumption device. And tablets what if are you transfer that, transfer that to a, a phone form Yeah, factor. but phones aren't consumption devices in the same way. I understand they are, agree, but they're yeah, also I, right. different. They don't, they're not just consumption like a tablet is. And I know I'm speaking broadly here, but I feel like phones are are not quite as good a fit for Amazon as a tablet would be, so... I tend to agree. I mean, they they could be targeting you know that particular demographic that just doesn't want to get a tablet. Um, but I mean, like you said, this is all 
this is speculation. It's even you know it's based on you know TechCrunch reports that it's just based on people you know checking with hardware manufacturers in China as to what they're shipping and to whom. Maybe it's a smaller so, tablet. You don't know. Yeah, I we we really don't know at that point. I think that's what <laughs> that's what you're saying, Seth. I mean, we can we can sit here and dream about this Amazon tablet uh, phone all day, but. Um, even if they wanted to uh, release something, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen in the near future. Yeah, you know, it just doesn't make, like I said, that there was definitely a space in the market for an Amazon tablet. And it was almost, it was like almost needed in a sense. Uh, the space for an Amazon phone does not seem, maybe I'm wrong, but it does not seem nearly as obvious or needed. Well, I think it would hinge a lot on the success of the fire because inevitably I have to think they're going to use if not that same customized UI, something very similar. And if they're not seeing a huge adoption rate on the Fire, then you know that's just another reason for them not to enter the smartphone space. That custom yep. UI seemed like it would be annoying on a phone. What? But I mean, we've, some folks I, that I was reading in a lot of the reviews were saying that you know it was laggy as well. And yeah. quite frankly, something that you know has that much. Um, you know, power behind it, processor and and uh, memory wise, shouldn't be laggy. I mean, uh, I, that's I, yeah, no, I agree, and it just seems like a phone is a t- maybe maybe it's just the way I use it, but it seems like a phone is a totally different use case than a tablet, right? A tablet is like there. I use a tablet. And I think a lot of people use tablets for like reading and watching TV or watching movies or consuming. you know, like I said, consuming. Whereas a phone, it's like I want to pull it out of my pocket. And have like the weather, mail. I want to have it all like easily one click accessible. Is it the Android? The Android skin, the the like the pure Google Android skin does that far better, in my opinion, than that custom Fire uh, skin. Right? Could they Is, be going after the? Um, I mean, they have music, they have Audible, um, they have some of these things. Uh, even even the books, uh, Kindle. You know, a lot of people like reading it on their phones. Are, yeah, that's true. are they maybe going after the folks that might buy, I don't know, like an iPod Touch or something? Could it be something like a direct competitor to the iPod Touch? What's iPod to say Touch, that's a phone? Think, that would make more sense to me. Yeah, than a phone. But I agree. All right, should we? So apps? Do we? Oh, yeah, apps. apps. Woo! All right, I'll go first. Um, so I've been to a couple um, conferences. I'm trying to think what the other one I went to was. Oh, <laughs> I'm a little ashamed to admit, admit this, but I went to Comic Con last year. Uh, that was hey, one thing I went to. There ain't nothing wrong with no, that, man. There's, there's some <laughs> know, hot. There's some hot All chicks. All of our users are going to shun you now. I uh, know it's fun. I love there's Com- hot Comic- chicks. I'm just saying. I recommend anyone who can go to go and experience it. It's definitely worth going to see. But uh, and I'm going to another conference this week, and both these conferences have had apps out for them. Which have uh, you know all the different meetings, times, and sessions, and you can click on it and have uh, whatever you know they tell you about it. Then you can click on it and put it on your calendar, and then have like you know one calendar for your whole your whole conference. And then you know you can click on the what like what's going on now, and they'll show you all the things that are happening, particularly that moment. I/O did that, right? What's that? Google I/O did that for their when they have the google io yeah. conference yeah I, I wasn't at google io but i think so but anyways i would just recommend anyone who has a major conference you're going to um you know whether it's a professional this one i'm going to is a professional conference and uh well, you, you know i wasn't really expecting them to have it but they did and it's great and so i would recommend anyone who's going to a major conference see if they have a you know an android app out for it and use it because it really is pretty great uh it's much better than you know i used I, well, we still do i've got a 
you know, like a 150 page booklet, you know, that lists all the different things going on. And it's like, this is much easier than carrying around this massive booklet with me all day long. So now were these, were these apps that were like the official app or these things that uh, people just threw together on their own? This is an official app put out by both of the Comic-Con had an official app and this is an official app put out by, um, you know, the conference people. I, don't, I have no idea who they pay to develop it. but I think prob- the, the more ubiquitous these devices are, the more we're going to see this kind of stuff. It's just like back in the day, the CD business card. You know, you start getting with like Burton snowboard jackets. It was like this new novel way of getting your information to people. Yeah, no, and it's, and it's pretty great. I mean, I, well, I'm yeah, if you can about- utilize all of the phone sensors to help people have a more positive experience at your conference taking notes recording anything like that i think that's huge mm-hmm. now, i'm trying to well, see like i'm trying to see if i can look at a publisher on this thing but i don't see anything so well it's got to be way cheaper than printing you know yeah you, probably so hundreds if not thousands of these well books. plus then how do you update it you know with paper you got to start all over with this you just push an update for next year and boom you're done look at all the yeah, money you saved here goes i found out who did it. it's called event pilot is the people who published this one um, they must. It says it's setting a new standard for mobile event guides at Ativ Software, A-T-I-V Software.com. Anyways, it seems like the app's been pretty great so far. So I'm sure that this, you know, the the conference just outsourced it to this app company. And they've done a pretty good job with it. So Very cool. Good stuff, yeah. man. All right. Uh, you want me to go into mine, Matt? Yeah. What do you got, Eric? All right. So if if there are any other board game nerds out there, you probably uh, recognize the title "Settlers of Catan." Mm. It's an awesome game, and I, you know, I've Could recently gotten into it. it. <laughs> but, <laughs> say that again. I Seth? think not. I'll trade. I'll say I'll trade him wood for wheat and <laughs> some ore. <laughs> awesome. That's right, and I will throw the thief on your tile. <laughs> but, <laughs> anyways, I, you know, I really gotten into it recently since my wife bought me the game. And uh, I found out that they actually have an official app for iOS as well as Android. Uh, it's three ninety nine, uh, and quite honestly, I, it was a while ago when I bought it. But I think that there's also like a little gotcha in there, will where you might have to pay a little extra if you want the like the expansions or something. Um, but overall, I mean, it's very well put together and it's really fun. And you can you don't have to you know have three or four friends available. You can play against the computer. Nice. Yeah, so check it out if you like games. All right. And uh, my app, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just throw this out there since we're getting some new devices coming out. Uh, it's a benchmark app. It's called Quadrant Standard. And basically this, uh, this runs a bunch of tests. It'll test your processor, your GPU, uh, RAM, all that stuff. And then it gives you a score. And if you, if you root and use custom ROMs, I always liked doing the Quadrant first writing down that number and you want to reboot your phone ideally to get the most accurate number right so you run it do that write it down write down your score and then flash your custom rom tweak the settings or don't reboot it run it again and watch how much your quadrant score increases from a custom rom as opposed to running stock it's interesting too if you're messing around with overclock underclock stuff you can really get an idea of how your device is handling performance-wise. So you can make a change, reboot it, and then run it. And you'll see, did that make it go faster or slower? And some things you can't change, you know, like GPU stuff. But it's interesting to see device to device. And it gives you a graph of where, 
your device stacks up against, you know, everything else. So it's called Quadrant Standard. You can check it out in the app market. Nice. All righty. Well, I think that's going to do it for us over here at Attack of the Androids. It's been a pleasure chatting with you gents. Hopefully next week we'll have uh, the full cast back. Yeah, but it was fun. Thanks, Matt. It was a good night. All right, you guys check us out over on groovypost.com, attackoftheandroids.com, email show at attackoftheandroids.com. Look us up on iTunes, attackoftheandroids.com slash subscribe. That will redirect you, right, Eric, to our iTunes link. So, yeah, eventually uh, that'll redirect you to our iTunes link. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so check all that out. Uh, Seth and Eric Wright over on GroovyPost.com. I do all the podcast production, so definitely check us out. Give us some comments, some reviews. Uh, yeah, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. It's a tag. Uh, the end. It's a tap. Uh, the end.